Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, this is episode number 387, live coaching on air about why is it so hard to find love after my divorce. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy Weiner. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. What is a woman of value? She is somebody who knows her worth, and she shows up, stands up, and speaks up in all parts of her life. Every week, I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is adapt a positive mindset. You know, I was just talking to my daughter this morning who is she's a parent of three young children, a newborn and a 2-year-old and a 5-year-old. And she was talking to me about how she just heard a great parenting tip that I think really applies to dating and relationships in general, and that is that we have to have long-term goals and short-term goals. So the short-term goal So let's say um, if you're dating and the short-term goal is, I want to find love. I want to meet that person. But the disappointment in not meeting that person can derail you. So having that positive mindset means you have a long-term goal, that you keep your long-term goal front and center. So how it applies to parenting is maybe in the moment when your kids are fighting and you want them to just be quiet, it's enough, like, stop, stop yelling. But the long-term goal really is that I want my kids to develop their own ability to think through problems, to problem solve, to be able to resolve their own conflict. So if you're always putting out fires in the short term, the long-term goals are going to be harder to meet. And so keep that positive mindset as you're dating. Keep that long-term goal in the front of your mind. And that's my challenge to you this week is whenever you're thinking in the immediate now, I have to do this now, think about is this really what I need to do or is there a long-term goal that um, I can keep a positive mindset about and choose another path. So uh, before I bring on my guest today, I wanted to remind everybody who is not yet a member of Your Last First Date, which is my Facebook group, Join us. That's how I found Jamie. Jamie is a part of my Facebook group, Your Last First Date. is a fantastic group. Jamie can speak to that. And um, it's a place where you can come and feel safe and not where people are like off the rails, just, you know, saying horrible things about dating and relationships. We have a positive mindset in this group. So if you are interested, head on over after the show to Your Last First Date on Facebook. Um, So here's Jamie. Jamie is 50. She just turned 50. She's been divorced for about five years, and she wants to know how to find love. She had one relationship post-divorce that lasted about six months, and um, it wasn't fulfilling in the end, and she wants to know how to find love. So welcome, (laughs) welcome to the show. 
thanks. Thank you for having me. And, and thank you for the group that you've created. I, I do have to tell you, it gets very discouraging. And I think when you surround yourself with negativity, then that's what you bring in. And I love that your group is so positive. And I love seeing the stories of people who find love in their 50s, their 60s. And um, so thank you for creating that for, for us. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that you're part of the group, that you stepped up to be part of my live coaching today. And, yeah, it's, um, you know, what, what's so interesting about the group, we have over 3,000 women in there, and we do hear stories of struggle, we hear stories of people finally finding love, and then there's a breakup, and then they recover, and then they think that's the end of the world, and then they find somebody else, and it turns out it's the right person. I mm-hmm. think there's been a lot of shifts in the group as to not having assumptions, you know, not jumping to these conclusions or having these very, Mm -hmm. very negative ways of seeing dating and seeing men. And I have seen tremendous growth just by being part of the group. So um, it's exciting. It's exciting for me as a coach to watch what happens just by surrounding yourself with positivity and good, good, healthy dating behaviors, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you that it's it's brought me off of the ledge several times when I would have done something that I probably would have regretted and I go to the group and I post and it's it's been so uh, valuable and um it, it it's great. I feel like I'm not alone in this in this world. <laughs> so I'm not alone, yeah. but, you know, in this in this dating space. And that's important. So I'm so you. glad because, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. many people feel alone. They don't have friends who really understand them. So this is a great place. All right. right. So all the shout-outs to the group. Thank you for, for that. And now let's talk about you in particular. Okay. Um, so okay. tell us, give us a little kind of bottom line, what's happening right now that you're struggling with. Well, so I have had several three-month relationships, lots of three-month relationships, and um, and then I had one, you know, six-month, but that's the longest I've gone, and, you know, it's really hard when I see, you know, my ex-husband who had a three-year relationship, now he's, you know, in a, an eight-month relationship, and um, and I see my, my friend's ex-husband who all seem to just, like, end up bouncing on their feet, and I can't seem to break the three-month mark, and I will say, it, um, you know, part of it is, that I'm not going to accept, you know, less than what I want. And, but I can't tell now between am I being too picky um, or am I just, you know, or, or what I'm finding is that there's so many people with such big wounds and they're not dealing with those wounds. And so, you know, which is it? Is it that it's just, I, I jokingly say that we're fishing in a polluted pool, but, you know, if you've gone through a divorce, you're, you know, you're not fresh. And then you also have your children and your schedules and all the other, you know, life things that come up. So so, I, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, finish, finish what you were going to say. No, I was just going to say, so I, I seem to have lots of, well, I even have, I haven't had lots of anything in a while. It's been a little more dry. I have gone on three dates and then it seems to stop. The guys that I like, which I, I hear a lot from people, the guys I like don't like me, and the guys that like me I don't like. And, you know, I actually I had a date yesterday um, with a man who was probably one of the most accomplished men I've ever um, gone out with, and he was bright, and he was easy to talk to, and um, he, you know, 
for what I could tell from the first two-hour coffee date, seemed to, you know, have his, his act together. I, I use a different word. And the whole time I'm looking at him thinking, I don't think I like his hair, and I definitely don't like his beard. And, you know, I, I, so, that's, so I'm like, now I'm like, well, what's it, what is it that I'm doing that I keep attracting emotionally unavailable men? And, you know, this is what I posted when I, when I asked for the coaching session. You know, am I emotionally unavailable? And, you know, so I'm just, I'm just sort of, like, stumped. Mm. So you liked this guy yesterday. Let's just talk about him for a minute. But okay. you were finding ways to not like him. Like there, there was, I was so intellectually. It sounds like you know he's got his act together, but you're not mm-hmm. attracted. You're finding things wrong with him. Tell me a little bit more about that. Right. So right, the whole time that you know we're sitting there, I'm I'm picking it apart, thinking, you know. I don't, I'm not that attracted to him. Could I be attracted to him? I don't have that instant, you know, I mean, I think that that's the problem with our society and the movies is, you know, you, you look for those butterflies or you want to feel those butterflies. And then when you don't have them, then you want to dismiss it. And so it's finding reasons that it, it couldn't work. Um, and he, you know, mm-hmm. asked when he could see me again. And um, I probably could have made time to see him book well we so yesterday was Monday and I said you know Mondays and Tuesdays are my days without kids um so I have my kids this weekend so you know Monday or Tuesday of next week and he said great um and I and he did say you know I've got time during the day because he's actually um very lucky at 53 to to be semi-retired and have a lot of flexibility and I own a business and I feel guilty if I take time during the day could I? Yes, but it's not something I feel like I can do um, as a business owner. So I, I didn't, I didn't make myself as available as I, as I would if I had been sitting across from him and I had had those. Oh my gosh, he's so cute! I can't wait to see him again. You know what I mean? Hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also have control. Like I'm not losing control when I don't have those, you know, gush of emotions. Yes, yeah, so it's a fine balance. So I'm hearing um, you meet men that you sometimes like, they don't like you. You like men, they don't like you back. And so let's let's kind of dig a little deeper into this. Um, okay. And uh, so before, how long were you married? Um, Fifteen, a little over 15 years. Fifteen years. And would you say that um, you started that relationship? Like, tell me how that relationship started. You know, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about it, and it actually was a very good start. I um, I actually knew him in high school. We were in the same youth group, and then uh, we went on a date in college, and then we actually reconnected on J-Date, um, interestingly oh. enough, before online dating was even a thing. So as much as I hate online dating, I know I would never have ended up with him if I hadn't tried. This was, you know, J-Date back when J-Date was free in 1997, and I was dating series of men that weren't Jewish, but ultimately I wanted to meet someone Jewish. Um, And I would say we had a really, really good start. And um, it really, you know, I don't, in case my daughters hear this, I don't want to talk about when the marriage went bad, but, but it was, it was the kind of relationship I felt really um, safe with him. We both had grown up with um, fathers who had lived out of state um, with single moms. So we had similar backgrounds and I felt like I could, you know, talk about my abandonment issues with him and, Um, it was, you know, I mean, there were some, it's funny, there were some things now that I maybe wouldn't have given him a second date on, um, just because little things that would have bothered me. But ultimately, I mean, I I don't regret marrying him and we had, you know, we had some good years and then we let the resentment build up and, you know, we're obviously it wasn't great or we wouldn't have ended up divorced. Mm. 
Right, right. But so so it was sort of a slow, you had met each other, there was a familiarity, there was a safety, and you had similar mm-hmm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell me a little bit more about the abandonment issues that you brought to your marriage. So uh, my mom and dad divorced when I was one. At three years old, my mom had um, something occur where she didn't feel like she could keep me. And so she sent me to live with my dad and his then wife, um, you know, around the age of almost between three and four. And from what I understand, you know, a child who who loses their mother, and and she did stay in my life, but it was, you know, weekend visits here and there. Um, And then my my father's wife ended up being, you know, the abusive stepmom that they write stories about. So I didn't have a very good, stable childhood, and I was my mom and dad's only child, and um, it wasn't really until my mom remarried um, when I was 12 years old that I finally got, you know, some sort of family. Mm. So you had a really rocky beginning. Um, Oh, yeah. Parents divorcing at such a young age, and then feeling like your mother just kind of dumped you on the father, the father's wife is abusive, and it's really unstable. And those are the years that are so crucial, as you know, where we start Mm -hmm. to develop attachments. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if you, do you know, you know about attachment styles, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So have you, just for anybody who doesn't know, there's a psychology term called attachment theory. And, the relationships we have as as with our caretakers starts to de- to determine how we attach to people. So if we had a secure attachment to our parents or whoever was our caretaker, in your case it wasn't just your parents, it was your mother, your father's wife and your father and your mother, so you had a bunch of people who were caretakers. Um mm-hmm. And if we have an insecure attachment, then we become either anxious or avoidant. Those are the three main Mm -hmm. kinds, the secure, anxious, or avoidant. And Mm -hmm. often these patterns get repeated throughout our lives until we do some inner work and we can actually change our attachment style. So what what is your attachment style? So I think I scored like eight secure and five, um, anxious or something. So, and, mm-hmm. and it was really nice. Like I've, I've really worked on myself and I understand, I mean, I'm definitely still, there's still anxiety and, um, but I'm aware of it now and, you know, and I'm able mm-hmm. to sort of ask for what I want and, and, and really be honest with someone when I start dating them that, you know, I do have abandonment issues and, you know, it shows up every once in a while and, you know, so that. And how do men respond to that? Um, it, well, interestingly, I haven't been in a relationship, like a real relationship, past a couple of dates since I read the book. So uh-huh. I, I don't know. I don't okay. know how that's going to be in a relationship because I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. So the longest relationship you were in, the six-month one, um, tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that and, you know, why it ended. Um, so that was an interesting one. I actually, our kids had gone to Sunday school together and, um, I had met him and then we, um, reconnected actually online. And, um, I was the first person that he had gone out with, um, from, from an online date and he had been single on and off for eight years, which should have told me a lot. And, you know, on our third date, we had that conversation, what are you looking for? And we both said we were looking for long-term 
But ultimately what ended up happening for him was that he had some um, avoidant attachment issues. He'd had a mother that was very controlling and his parents were codependent. And so he um, pushed relationships away. And at some point in the relationship, and I will say that the connection that we had um, when we were together was, it was, you know, a really, really strong, solid connection. We would spend hours talking and we had the um, complimentary Myers-Briggs. So we just really complimented each other well. And, um, but it got to the point where he was pushing, he told me, you know, he realized he loved me and it freaked him out and he didn't know if he had space in his life for that or if he felt, he, he listened to Dr. Laura, which should have been a huge <laughs> indicator that, you know, he, he didn't know that he could have a relationship and be a parent. And um, he was in where he had just overscheduled himself. He had, you know, um, a very high, uh, uh, like a job and he did a lot of volunteer work and he didn't really have space in his life. And it got to the point for me where I kept asking for what I needed um, and I wasn't getting it. And when we were together, I felt very loved. And, um, and, uh, and then when we weren't together, I felt like I was forgotten. And then um, I just kept, you know, actually just praying for a sign or strength to be done with it. And uh, one night at four o'clock in the morning, I woke up from, you know, sleeping next to him. And I just said, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And, um, and we, he didn't fight for me. He let me go. Um, and then actually a year and a half later, I had a relation, I had had two relationships after that ended. That was, that ended um, about a year and a half ago. I had a three month relationship and a seven week relationship, but I really kind of didn't feel much for either of them kind of going through the motions. And I realized I needed to address, you know, him. I kept hoping he'd come back to me and realize what we had. Um, he didn't. And we actually um, got together twice and talked about maybe, you know, trying again. And then ultimately what he said is, I realize I'm not, I'm just not in a space that I'm ready for a relationship, but I'd like to leave the door open and, you know, maybe we can be friends. And I said, I can't be your friend because I'm seeking a romantic relationship. And I think that would block me. And I said, in terms of, you know, us, you know, me leaving the door open, you'd need to get therapy before I would ever, you know, risk my heart on you again. Because this is someone who knows he has issues, but he um, has not addressed them in therapy at all. Well, I love that you set agreements down and said no and set some boundaries that's fantastic because a lot of people would just be hoping without anything changing and that never works. Um, so, well, and I learned so that you, one the hard way. Yeah. But you have, you have a lot of good relationship skills. Like, you know, yourself pretty well, you, you know, um, you know, you know what you want and you know that you're not going to settle for crumbs anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah, this is so reminiscent of your family of origin stuff, um, somebody mm-hmm. who's not fully there for you, and then hoping somehow that he'd come back and realize what, what he lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have to say, even, even I mean, I, you know, if I'm going to really be coached, there's a part of me that still feels abandoned my, by my ex-husband. Like, I thought that whatever came, we were going to work through it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, even that is there for me yeah so it's it's taking something that is not possible and hoping to make it into something else Mhm. right or it's just again dealing with the abandonment of it all like you know that that is well, an underlying so, 
<clears throat> right. I hear I hear that it's an underlying thing, and I'm thinking the word abandonment. If we can reframe that a little bit, okay. Um, because abandonment is you giving up your power. It's you mm-hmm. being left and mm-hmm. somebody pushing you away. That's very disempowering. Right. Right? True. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could reframe that word, um, and let's say, let's take the guy who was hard to let go, um, hoping he'd come back. Um, instead of saying that you felt abandoned or even your ex whichever which one do you want to which one do you want to use I don't I don't feel abandoned by the ex-boyfriend because the reality is that I see it from from where he's at and he just didn't have the capacity I mean it's disappointing to me that and the rea- mm-hmm. reality is and I mean he even told me at one point that he had never you know felt like he did with me for anyone else but he was still and then what I'm learning is that and this is, I think, the frustration of dating is that people will do anything to avoid fear. So even though they can have such great love, they're going to avoid fear more than they're going to go for that great love. So I, mm-hmm. with, with that, I don't feel abandoned by him. Um, I, I feel sad for the situation. And I, you know, I feel sad that there are so many people, I, I would say men, cause, but I know there are women out there too, who just, just can't you know, let go of, of their fear. So I would say the ex-husband would be a better example of abandonment. Okay, so let's take him. Um, and instead of using the word abandoned by him, what could you, what, just like you just did with the ex-boyfriend, what could you say? What are some other things you can say? Um, well, I mean, you know, two two people made mistakes in a marriage, and, and I definitely, you know, re- realize now where I made mistakes. And so... Um, so I don't know, abandon is not the right word. It's just, I guess it's that we kind of made vows knowing that each of us had this, you know, traumatic childhood that it wasn't going to be us. So, um, I don't know how I would frame that. I mean, I guess just mistakes were made and, um, we didn't have the perspective at the time or the, the, um, you know, the resentment just had built up so much that it was hard to, to let, let it down. Mhm. Yeah, and it sounds like you also connected on wounds. You know, mm-hmm. on common wounds, common issues which mm-hmm. as you grow as a person, you connect on the good stuff. You know, the wounds are still there, mm-hmm. we can relate to each other based on shared horrible experiences, but it's healthy when a person when two people bond based on growth on curating mm-hmm. a good life for themselves. You know, like you were describing mm-hmm. this last guy uh, that you just went on a date with. He's curated a good life. He's already semi-retired. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's got really interesting things going on. So is there a fear of opening up to someone like that? Um, you know, Maybe I, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, why am I picking this person apart? You know, and, and, and Mm -hmm. I do, I don't know how much my, and and I'm influenced by my father was incredibly superficial growing up. Um, You know, I was a young child and he would put me on a diet when I would visit. So I lived with him from three to eight and then I moved back with my mom and then I would spend summers with my dad. And, you know, my dad's running commentary was how I, how I looked. 
and so unfortunately as a lot of that, you know, sunk in and shaped who I am. Um, uh-huh. And so I do tend to judge people um, superficially, which is one of the things that I don't like at all. And I don't know how much of that is, is me setting up a barrier. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's, that's why I wanted to be coached. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like there's some old, old stories that are running through your brain. Um the, the old story of, you know, I, I look at people superficially because my father did, or I was abandoned in childhood, so I'm, you know, I'm thinking about abandonment. This person might abandon me. Um, it's it's really just like, okay, that's the past. That is the past, and it's time to create some new stories. And, mm-hmm. yes, that is how you got here, and it mm-hmm. makes perfect sense that, those stories still play. But if you start looking at those stories differently, just like I wanted you to reframe abandonment, and look at the stories as, um, you know, they're not true. Um, You know, and really asking yourself, you know, is this really important to me? And really making your own stamp instead of, you know, this inner critic or the voices that keep playing that I mean, do you still look at yourself and say, um, "Oh, you don't look good enough"? I mean, are you hypercritical of yourself? Um, I wouldn't say hypercritical, but certainly criti- critical. I mean, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. you know, I I went on the divorce diet, um, which I'm sure you've heard of, and dropped yeah. you know a lot of weight, and I feel you know fairly as good as you can feel in a 50 year old body. I mean, you know, it's not what it was in my twenties, but it's, it's good. And I'm healthy, which I, you know, feel fortunate about, um, you know, but there are things that I look at on my face, like I see my age spot or I, I have a neck that I can't stand. And I'm like, Oh, I'd like to have that fixed. So I definitely, you know, pick myself apart. And then I also pick apart the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so a lot of this plays out when we're critical of ourselves, we're also critical of others. We, we start to push away people based on things that are superficial and not really what's important. And mm-hmm. so some of that is in really honing in on, first of all, on giving yourself more compassion on a daily basis, like really um, coming from a place of love and not fear. So let's, let's say, here's, here's one piece of homework I want to give you. Um, okay. So you, you happen to bring up the fear piece, and fear and love can't coexist. They just can't. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so often, you know, we, we, we're evolved, like you sound like you do a lot of reading and you know yourself well and you know your Myers-Briggs and all that stuff, and that's all intellectual, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. your deep understanding with your intellectual brain, which is highly developed. And what I want you to do is get more into your body and more into your body's feelings and your body's sensations. And so throughout your day, I want you to make every choice from a place of love and not fear, and you'd be surprised how many choices you make out of fear. The the choice to what to eat. Um, I'm eating this because I love my body and I'm taking good care of my body rather than I don't want to get fat. Mm-hmm. These are subconscious thoughts, right? Or mm-hmm. I am, uh, I, I'm going to take a break from work, um, but I'm scared to death to do that. Like, so... I'm taking a break from work and going on a date because I I love myself. I love my life and I want to find love. 
And so it's okay to take a break. I can give that to myself because I need balance in my life. So it's it's these messages that you start to move towards and giving yourself so much more self-compassion and self-love as you do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will you take that on? Yes. yes, I will. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I had my daughters. We all, um, are all having be loved tattooed. I had it on my wrist and it's the only one I'll get. And anyway, that's a whole other story, but it says be loved because I want to come from a place of love and not fear. So it's a good, Mm. good reminder. Yeah. And talk to your daughters about it if you want, you know, because it's amazing. I mean, I've had clients who come to me and their, their value system is all based on fear. Like what's important Mm -hmm. to them? Freedom. Why is freedom important to you? Oh, because my mother told me that if I, um, you know, if I if I tie myself to a man, I'm going to lose all my freedom. Oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. <laughs> or um, mm-hmm. education is important to me. Why? Because without education, I'll be dependent on a man. And my mother told me that I should, you know. So mm-hmm. you get the theme. And it's like, you know, whatever values we have, we have to choose them from a place of love. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so what are, what are some of your values? What are What's important to you? Um, you know, authenticity and, and relationships with people. And um, I, I really value um, my daughters and their relationship. I value my relationship with my friends. Um, I, I value um, integrity and the work that, you know, my company does and the women on my team, you know, bring to the table. Um, I am I'm actually very spiritual, which has been a, a great help through all of the things I've gone um, on or have gone through um, is to have a faith in, you know, in, in God. And, um, you know, is that, you know? Yeah. So when I look at, when I listen to you um, and when I work with a client, I do something called value strings. So when you say authenticity, it's like all the words that authenticity means to you. What is all the words that integrity means to you? Um because when you connect with somebody and somebody else says, well, authenticity is really important to me, and to them it means, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, give me give me a few words that authenticity means to you. It means being true. It means um, being true to who you are. And um, I try really hard. Um, I don't have to try really hard. I, I lack a filter, so... Um, just being, you know, being with people who will accept me for who I am. And, um, you know, cause I, I've discovered it's, it's too hard to have a big personality and try to, try to, you know, not be who you are. Mm-hmm. So, so I let's take that tr- one. Truth. Okay. Truth. Right. Okay. So, okay. um, when you're dating, do you bring your truth? Do you bring, um, a big part of yourself or are you bringing, more of a representative of who you are, especially if you like the I, guy. No, I definitely put, I'm very much the cards on the table, maybe sometimes too much. And I know I used to do that to sort of like, okay, if I'm going to scare you, let me scare you early. Like I want you to see me without makeup as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes um, my friend tells me that I need to be Jamie Light, L-I-T-E. <laughs> she goes, don't mm-hmm. come full force, Jamie. Come in with uh, Jamie Light. <laughs> So right. Kind of so, so here's the thing with that, and, and there is truth to that. Um, and then we're going to wrap because we're running out of time. But um, 
when you bring the whole of you and let's say the 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 non makeup Jamie and this is who I am and you know um and let me just tell you about some of the horrible things about me because you need to know this right away it's, right. it's actually a way of pushing somebody away um Mm-hmm. And the reason that it's important to be Jamie Light is because it's it's more about Jamie's slow reveal. Uh, that's how I would put it. Because mm-hmm. you can't handle all of a person at once. It's too much. And it's actually people who are really insecure start to dump everything out. They're like, hey, did, I, I have diabetes. And did, I, I just want you to know I have an eating disorder. And my mother died when I was three. And, you know, it's like, whoa. Uh, I don't need to know all of this about you. And it's it's mm-hmm. like reading a really good book. So we have the Jamie book that is a slow reveal. We don't read the end first. We read mm-hmm. it slowly, and the chapters build. And that's that's the art of good storytelling, and it's the art of good dating. It's It's really being confident enough to not share all of you at once and to have it be like leaving somebody with, the memory of you and thinking, oh, I really want to know more about that person. Mm-hmm. Right? So right. Mm-hmm. that's why Jamie Light is important, but Jamie's slow reveal. So, I mean, this, this, there's so much more to say. and I, I, But I think, you know, some, some of what we talked about, so tell me what you're, you're taking away, because I know I talked about a bunch of different things, and, um, and then we'll wrap Okay, so I, I, I like the analogy with the book. I think that, that that's and – I, and I think that you're absolutely right that, that me letting it all out is, is – it does have a root in insecurity because I, you know, I, you know, I don't want to fall in love with someone and then be left. So, so I, I, I hear that. And then um, also, you know, I think as much as I say that I don't come from fear and I'm really bold, you know, like, for instance, not, not going on a date in the middle of the week because I feel – bad if I'm not working or, you know, will my business, you know, go down or what will the people that work with me think if I'm not working? And so, you know, I, I need to start stepping back and figuring out, and I like the analogy too with the, the um, eating, you know, when I am, um, when I'm going to eat something, I, I, you're right. I definitely make decisions based on, oh, I shouldn't have this because, you know, that's not going to be good for me versus I love my body and I want to put good things in it. Mm. Yeah, and the more you come from a place of love in every choice in your life, you're going to start really exuding that. Like you're going to glow from a place of love, and the right men are going to be so attracted to that. Because right now you're saying, you know, some men that you're meeting are wounded and they're coming from a place of fear and they haven't worked out their stuff. And so Mm -hmm. it's not your job, obviously, to fix those men, but the right guys are going to be so drawn to... Jamie slow reveal, Jamie coming from love <laughs> and not fear. And um, mm-hmm. and then you're not coming from a place of if I fall in love, I will be abandoned because you're coming from a place of I'm making choices. This is mm-hmm. These are my choices. These are not just I, I fall in love and then, oh, my God, they're going to leave me and I will be disempowered. So you are at choice. And the more you come from a place of choice and, and always knowing that, you can't control every piece, obviously, but you can know when you come in, especially if you're building slowly and with intention, that you're you're not going to leave it all up to a, a, a man to decide whether he's going to leave you or not. Mhm. Right. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Thank you for for being here today. And um, so you're going to come from a place of love and not fear. You're going to start to reframe abandonment um, and Mm -hmm. and really take back your power. You know, Jamie's slow reveal takes her power back. (laughs) You know, it's I I love what Brene Brown says about how we reveal ourselves. And um, I've talked about this probably on the podcast before, but I'll leave you with this because I think it's such a beautiful analogy. Um, we often think we have to share it all. And it's like coming into a room with a giant, you know, bright, like disco ball kind of light, like, you know, here I am, every part of me, every facet. And it's too much. It's too bright. It's like you need sunglasses. You can't, you can't see the light. It's too big. And mm-hmm. what she says is like when, when you have like a string of Christmas lights and they're beautiful little twinkle lights, and if you could just say – in your mind, like you could turn each light on one at a time, but you turn them on when you have a point of connection. You turn them on when you share a passion. You turn them on when somebody's revealed some kindness to you, so now you have a new point of connection and new light gets turned on. And over time, you're building this beautiful string of twinkle lights that, that become this soft, beautiful light altogether. So it's not, I'm here give me everything at once, people mm-hmm. have to earn their life, their their place in your life. Mm-hmm. And you earn your place in their life. So it's it's having the confidence that you build one little twinkle light at a time, and that's how the right relationships are formed. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. And that's, that's a whole other conversation on patience and letting things just, you know, be at a very natural pace. And because I'm, you know, I'm, still that instant gratification uh, mindset, which I want it. I want it now. I want to know how it's going to end. Yeah. Know. Right. So, mm-hmm. so think, keep thinking about the book. The book is a slow reveal, mm-hmm. you know, a good no, like story that. doesn't tell itself all at once. And you know, that the twinkle lights are so much more beautiful when they're built one at a, one at a time. And so you have more patience when you know with the right person it's going to reveal itself. It's not going to feel like scarcity and, oh, my God, I have to grab it now because it's the last living person on earth who will be connected to me, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Thank you. And, and right. I did, I did say welcome. I did um, – yeah, I know you need to go. But just thank you for what you're doing and what you're doing for, you know, women. And uh, it's, it's – you know, I, I was telling you before, like, you know, you've, you've taken um, – you know, not just surviving, but thriving, um, you know, and, and you're bringing all of us with you. And I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for, mm-hmm. for coming on the show today, for, for being open to being coached because it takes a brave person to be willing <laughs> to see themselves in a new light. And I feel really hopeful. So please let me know how it works, how it goes with, with your new homework and, and your new mindset. Okay. Well, you'll see me on the group, right. on the page. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening today. And if you love our show, please rate us and review us on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to this show. And um, if you would like a half hour breakthrough session like the one I just did with Jamie to see um, what's getting in the way of you finding love and if you're really feeling stuck, Let's get on a call together. It's a half-hour complimentary session. You go to lastfirstdate.com forward slash breakthrough, fill out a form, and we'll get on a call together. Have a great day, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. <laughs>